Alexander Snitker, libertarian, Republican, and political hack, and Adrian Wiley, born-again anarchist and political has-been. Banter, blather, and joke about current events while attempting to figure out whether to keep trying to salvage our constitutional republic or just stock up on marshmallows to roast on the smoldering embers of society. It's time for Unattended Baggage. Why, thank you, Ledge. Hello, everyone in Podcastville or Internet Land or wherever you may reside. This is Alex, co-host, Unattended Baggage. Along with me is my radio life mate, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Adrian, Chairman of the Building Materials Projectile Staging and Logistics Committee, the West Central Florida Guild of Professional Anarchists, Local Chapter 151, Wiley. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Uh, are you sure you're doing all right? I don't really yeah. feel like you're going to be up to it today. <laughs> I'm a little foggy today, I, I, I must admit. I, yeah. I, I, I think you're going to be uh, uh, yeah. not, not not batting a thousand on this one. I you might think. need to carry me a bit on this I, show. As normal, yeah. is what I'm yeah. saying. Though. So. so last night you did, uh, let's talk about you and last night, though, because right. you, uh, you did uh, go to the Orlando area. Well, yeah, I went over to uh, uh, my son, who is uh, my youngest son, who's at uh, a senior at UCF, uh, we went to the uh, UCF USF or USF UCF game. Yeah. So uh, hosted there at UCF, and uh, we uh, tailgated pretty hard. I know. and I heard it was an offensive uh, juggernaut of game. Yeah. The uh, the uh, Golden Knights won seventeen um, thirteen over my balls. Yeah. Over your balls? Over my balls. Yeah, no, over my balls. USF oh. balls. Oh, your balls. Like, you yeah. own them, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. it's your team. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because, um, you know, I've, I've always been a Bulls fan. Yeah. But because my son goes to UCF, I have to root for UCF. So I'm in UCF garb, and I'm silently, you know, um, pretending to root for UCF. But, uh, you know, my heart is kind of with the Bulls, too. So, so it's, they, your it's heart's very... in your balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say that. Okay, there you go. I understand. I understand. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we uh, went over there. You know, day started at like eight thirty in the morning. We went over there and tailgated. So um, you started drinking at eight thirty in the morning? No, we we headed over. We got there about eleven thirty and started drinking. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a great for a time. four start. Is that what it was? Uh, for a three thirty start. Yeah, three thirty start. Yeah. Okay. So had plenty of time. And you know, I have to say, I am uh, for the second year in the row. I am the UCF beer shotgunning champion. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What do, so what does this entail? Um, well, it, it, it shotgunning a beer competition, okay. you know. And uh, it basically, I, I got to tell you, it's, uh, look, it, uh, pretty much everyone, I'm assuming, has shotgunned a beer at one time in their life. Okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, us old school guys do the can vertically, right? Mm-hmm. And keep our heads straight up. Well, the kids today turn it sideways and then tilt their head sideways so everything's like their head is at a 45-degree angle and the, the can is at a 45-degree angle. I keep trying to explain to them that, uh, you know, that's just bad physics. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right? Like, yeah. Doesn't it, it seem like you're making it more complicated? Let gravity work, you know? So it, it, once again, this the year... kids I, don't believe in the science. No, they don't. They, they think my technique is stupid and, and old school and I, I keep beating them. So, you know, in, in, in two rounds uh, against about five guys each uh, and a couple girls um, who were... Uh, ironically uh shotgunning uh, a couple of the guys were too shotgunning hard seltzer which i found just you know completely wrong also um that, that really is bad yeah but I, those I, people should be canceled for that even though i blew them all and you know it's funny and back in the day in high school in the army you know when you, everybody used to shotgun beers i was never like the best at it yeah, you know, I was always kind of middle of the pack. I, I, I could hang, you know, but yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't like the, you know, the. You weren't really good though. I you wasn't the two point eight second guy. You weren't. You, know the, you weren't. You weren't great skill. You were just like in the middle of the pack. But you know those those eighties techniques, eighties nineties like techniques. Joe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, those eighties nineties techniques are just so superior to today's technique that I, I just won hands down. Like you just blow them all. Yeah. Away. Then I came around and, and beat them uh, in uh, beer pong too. Jesus. So, it's like, you know, hey. Really made them feel bad, Screw you, you kids. We invented this shit. So we're just going to take yeah, it. Yeah, right. I'm just going to take it whenever I can take <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. But no, great time. Had a blast. Uh, you know, uh, this was uh, my son's last uh, college football game to attend in the student section. So, uh, you know, it was a big deal to him. And it was also his birthday Uh-oh. yesterday. So good time had by all. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I have to admit I'm a little fuzzy today <laughs> because of that experience. Well, who drove home? I did. You know, it was many hours later. Um, so, you know. Hey, can you drink in the game? No, I, I didn't, though. You know, Can so, you, though? Um, I think you can. I, I didn't want to attempt it because, of course, I had to drive home. So, you know, I wouldn't. I wanted to give myself a few hours to, uh, you know, chill out. Um, but, Why uh, do you just have Don drive? 
because you see the marks on that car out there. <laughs> yeah, I do the driving. All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, I was fine driving home and everything. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just a, just a really good time. Absolute blast. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. All right, let's get to some, we'll get to some news here. Yeah. Not that you care, because you looked over the notes and you weren't really happy with anything that we had going on. You know, I'm just kind of in a meh. You know, mood. I mean, eh, I hear you though. Yeah. So. Well, this first one from Reuters came up, and it uh, the the title of it says "Democracy Slipping Away at Record Rate." Intergovernmental body warns. You think? Now, when I first read it, though, I had a bias of like, okay, like, what are you talking about when you mean democracy slipping away? Like, I, I kind of was a little, uh, you know, it was Reuters, so it's kind of mainstream media, kind of like they're they're talking about like January sixth or something along those lines, right? right? But when I read it, I was actually pleasantly surprised that they were not necessarily um, going uh, against it. They said populist politics, the use of COVID-19 pandemic restrictions to silence critics, a tendency of countries to mimic the anti-democratic behaviors of others and disinformation used to divide societies are mainly to blame. The Stockholm based intergovernmental organization said in a report. Now, when you listen to that, some of that stuff could go either way because they call different stuff misinformation or whatever. But I just thought it was funny that, like, because you have protests going on globally right now. Like, like I got to tell you, like, Florida has decided, in all reality, not to participate anymore. Yeah, we kind of opted out of the whole pandemic thing. Yeah, we've, we've said, yeah. We, we, like, we were like, well, sure, it's out there. If you need to go to the hospital, go ahead. But other than that, we're just going to ignore it by the by the way I, I i saw thousands of college students yesterday and i saw about a total of five masks yeah you know so it's just funny that we're deciding not to do this but that doesn't mean the rest of the world has not lost its complete fucking mind all right you know new zealand for instance has lost its fucking mind completely yeah it is a totalitarian state now hands down there's oh, no yeah. getting around yeah. it so is australia australia is the same way yeah china who's always been wow. that way anyway yeah that, that's that's communism it goes without saying yeah and we got a bunch about the commies in, in this in this right. week's uh but episode as well but. western europe you know uh, they're doing the same thing and again it's it's not just a pandemic though that's been a convenient excuse uh, for authoritarians around the world um it's just that's uh, that's kind of the direction everything's going it's a uh um, I, I, I like to think of it as a techno totalitarianism, uh, because a lot of the, you know, reasons for this is, is in the past, they didn't have the ability to crack down in certain ways. Uh, but now they have given the technology, they have a lot more tools at their dispo- uh, disposal for their, uh, you know, totalitarian drift. So to speak. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So hold on, I want to read this. This is from the article as well. Uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic has led to a to a surge in authoritarian behavior by governments. No shit. Uh, the study said that there was no evidence that authoritarian regimes were better at fighting the pandemic, despite Chinese state media reports to the contrary. Um, the pandemic provides additional tools and justification for repressive tactics and silencing of dissent in countries as diverse as Belarus, Cuba, Myanmar, Nicaragua, and Venezuela, the report said. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I, none of those were ever known as uh, democratic bastions, you know. No. But it's just getting worse now. Right. It's just out of control. Amazing. And if not right on fucking cue. I mean, like, you couldn't write this shit any better. Now there's a crazy Africa fucking virus now. That's the new mutation that has got, like, the stock market went down like 900 points yesterday. Yeah, the Dow is down over 900 points. And all of this shit is going on. Adrian, I have a serious, serious question to ask you. Okay. Do you even believe them at this point? Like, do you even think there's a different variant now? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I absolutely do. Uh, you know, that's what viruses do. Now, do I believe the fear mongering that they're, uh, you know, uh, that's going along with it? No, not so much. Yeah. Um, and again, I like to call this one the super AIDS COVID um, because uh, basically what they're saying is the reason that there's so many mutations in this one is because an AIDS patient was infected with COVID. And because of their compromised immune system, somehow this caused a whole bunch of different mutations. So they're they're actually thinking there was a, a patient zero with AIDS that caused this mutation. Okay, hold on. So a it's second. super AIDS COVID in my book. Hold on a second here, dude. Let's just let's just okay, hold on. 
So people weren't scared enough of the virus. Right. So how do we get them to be more scared of the virus? I know. The last time everybody was really scared was over AIDS. So let's combine the two and then tell people that it was AIDS that was causing it now. Right, right. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And again, it's a real thing. But um, I actually was uh, (laughs) really pleasantly surprised. I was listening to NPR uh, yesterday, I think, on the ride home. And... Excuse me. And they coughed on the air? Um, no, but, uh, you know, it could be Super AIDS COVID I have now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, basically the the interviewer uh, from NPR was talking to a uh, virologist, immunologist in South Africa. And the interviewer was asking all these leading questions like, will this strain be, hang on, NPR voice, will this strain be more deadly uh, than the Delta or previous COVID uh, variants. That's a good NPR voice, by the yeah. way. I got to say, you did very well there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, a lot of experience with NPR. Um, but, uh, and, and the, uh, the scientists are like, well, we, we got no reason to believe that. And they're like, will this spread faster? And, and should be the, the entire world be alarmed? And the guy's like, no, you, <laughs> there's no reason to believe any of this. I mean, it is a new variant, but, you know, hell, for all we know, this is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to spread. It's not going to be any more deadly. We just don't know enough yet, you know. But uh, And the interviewer just kept trying to get out of him all these, you know, the interviewer, you could tell, was so disappointed that this guy wasn't saying scary things. Yeah. Um, and you could also hear that the interviewee was getting very annoyed with the interviewer because they were asking all these leading questions with no basis in scientific fact or anything. And it was just a very interesting exchange that the, you know, you could tell that the NPR interviewer came into it with an agenda and he didn't get what he wanted. So it was a very disappointing interview for, for him as I'm well. sure that guy's going to get canceled at this point. So. Oh, I don't think he'll get interviewed again. Yeah. No, he definitely yeah. won't. So, so Hold on. I want to read this part, though, because this, uh, this is from MSN. New coronavirus variant, a serious concern in South Africa. Scientists in South Africa are studying a recent identified new corona, coronavirus variant of concern, stoking fears that the country may face potentially severe fourth wave that could spread internationally. Now, if you listen there, there's no actual facts or data or anything like that other than they identified a new right. variant. Right? Yeah. The new discovery called B.1.1.529. Okay, so hold on. First off, <laughs> it's like... They didn't like the single words or it was only a a couple numbers or an area that it was from, right? So now what we're going to do is we're going to put a bunch of numbers and dots on it. No, 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 no. Come on. You're reading too much into that. That's how how scientific classification is. So Have you heard a coronavirus being referred to as this until now? No, but there actually are tons of mutations and tons of variants out there uh, that have similar classifications. It's just until it actually becomes a... Um, an outbreak, um, then it's it's generally once once it gets to if, if it's infected enough humans, uh, then they classify it with a Greek letter. And in this case, they've classified this one uh, uh, Omicron. Uh, so, well, I think they were supposed to do it with a different letter, but they, <laughs> they were, decided yeah. to do Omicron instead. <laughs> yeah, because, which we'll get to that here in a yeah, second. Yeah, we'll, we'll save we'll that save one that for a different part. But yeah. So fucking, this is the Omicron variant now because apparently it's a, it's infected enough people to actually be given a new variant classification. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, that's pretty standard. But it, it, it's here's here's the line that I thought was funny. B.1.1.529 is likely to evolve during a chronic infection of immunocompromised person, possibly an untreated HIV AIDS patient, uh, said uh, Francois Ballou, uh, director of uh, UCL Genetics. Institute. Oh, Francois said it. Then yeah. You know, then you know it's true. Yeah. So uh, they're, they're uh, basically blaming an AIDS patient for this one. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> I like that. So I'm I no matter what this is for for forever this shall be known to me as Super AIDS uh COVID. I mean, yeah. she's crazy. <laughs> I love it though. Yeah. I love it though. Well, and what they're saying now is is that now none of the like none of the infection or none of the the, the vaccines that you took are going to work against this one. None of the right. boosters they, are going to work. And they have no idea. No, that's not what they're saying. The that's the impression that they're giving, but what they're saying is 
we they don't, don't know. know. Yeah. But the way they spin it and the way they present it, the average person comes away with the belief that it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Unless they it, take another one. Yeah. And <laughs> of course. Of course, because, you know, the pharmaceutical industries are already lining up for a new vaccine wave, you know, and the Biden administration and all the, you know, city and state governments, uh, except in Florida, are, you know, rushing to, yo, we got to do this again. And we, maybe we need another lockdown and we need to force more vaccinations and all this. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it, it's again, just people losing their minds. I heard on the radio today. Um, and again, NPR. I gotta stop listening to NPR, but it's so much good show material. Um, that oh, we should definitely listen to NPR <laughs> more. Um, that um, someone on NPR said that uh, this pandemic has been the greatest challenge to humanity in the history of mankind. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you freaking kidding me? I, I, I mean, I don't we, know if that's stupidity or wars. arrogance. Like, I, I don't know it, which it, one it is. If it, it's stupidity or arrogance. Well, for one thing I know for a fact, it's it's hyperbole. <laughs> well, that's know? true. Uh, because and it's a it's a gross exaggeration because uh, while this pandemic has killed a significant number of people. Um, it's it's they've claimed that it's killed a significant uh, number right of yeah it, it's contributed to the deaths of a significant number of people yeah um, it, it, in no way shape or form has ever at any point been any existential th- threat to mankind as a whole at all yeah and in no way do I believe it could be classified as one of the greatest threats that mankind has ever faced you know, uh, or humanity is ever, it's just, it, the, the hyperbole around it is, is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And again, your perspective may be skewed on that if you have lost a loved one to COVID. Um, but you know, if you're able to objectively take a step back and look at it from a humanity perspective, um, while it's a, it's been a significant event, it's in no way any type of, you know, like I said, existential threat to humanity, like it's trying to be portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know who can see, you know, which branch of the military can see through all this shit, right? Uh, the Corps. The Marine Corps. Yeah. That's right. Well, no, it's it's pretty consistent uh, across the board. No. It's just no, the it's Marine not, Corps is it's not. It's not, not. Really? No, it's not. No, we are the best. Do you have the numbers? Yes, I do. So Let's the Marine it. Corps faces a defining moment leading up to its Monday deadline for all Marines to have received the coronavirus vaccine with a report of a significant number who have refused the shot clashing with the services meticulously crafted image as the military's most disciplined fighting force. Uh, That's a stretch. R- roughly 10,000 of the 186,000 strong active duty force are positioned to miss the deadline. The Department of Navy set for all Marines and sailors to become fully vaccinated, according to latest data, representing the highest portion of any military service potentially to violate direct orders from the chain of command. Semper fucking fi. <laughs> Hang on. I got to see the Army numbers here. Uh, I'm just saying I love it. It's nice to see. So yeah, gotta gotta give a little credit to the the core there. So there you go, there you freaking go, and then, uh, it's it's twenty eight percent. Oh no, I'm sorry, it's uh, uh, yeah, twenty eight percent. Yeah, so there we go. Have have not been vaccinated in the army, and what is it in the Marine Corps? Uh, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I think it was thirty two percent, or yeah, something, I think it's slightly like slightly higher. Um, so basically, what you've got is. Roughly, let's let's average it out and say thirty yeah. percent of America's fighting forces are basically going to get fired Monday. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, how, what does that do for our uh, strategic readiness? Uh, I let me. I'm going to take that it's not as good for a hundred, Alex. Uh, yeah, I, I would have to say that uh, our, our our ability to uh, defend uh, the uh, U.S. Uh, the nation's interests are uh, significantly you know, diminished. I don't know why they can't just admit that the freaking that the mandate was a bad idea. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, I, well, we know why. We know why. Uh, because the pharmaceutical industry uh, spends billions and billions of dollars paying off politicians. They spend billions and billions of dollars buying av- a- advertising on every uh, news media. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, governments love the new power that they've gotten. So those are the reasons 
Um, and basically, a, a lot of people are also have uh, personal vested interests in the pharmaceutical industries making a shit ton of money uh, in power. Uh, so y- you've got all that working for you, and it's, you know. But, uh, again, it, it's good to see that, you know, it, it's funny. So many things that happen in America, it seems that there's always a third of the population that doesn't buy the bullshit, you know? Yeah. And I think there's actually another third of the population that really doesn't buy into the bullshit, but they're like, ah, it's just easier to go with the flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I really think that America is divided into thirds like that. You've got the one third that is just full, you know, drink the Kool-Aid. You've got one third kind of on the fence that's going to go with the flow. authoritarian friendly here. Yes, yes. And then you've got the one third that is just like, um, fuck you, I'm still a rugged individualist. Yeah. You know? But, but I will say this, though. This third over here is not... They're competing forces with one another as well. Like there's the left and the right is in that. Oh area yeah, yeah, right yeah. There. I'm not. I'm not uh, splitting this into red versus blue. I'm yeah. just talking about uh, the individuals that. Well, I do think that the team blue is probably more likely to lean authoritarian, mm. but in some ways, no. There's so, a lot of team right going over there too. Yeah, though. that's true. That's true. So, but in the in in this particular instance, in the uh, in the, in the you team, know, but hold on, no, no, but team red recruits from the other side in order to fight the other one, even though they're kind of with them on that part. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, everybody's playing it off. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, here we go again, <laughs> you know, every time. Well, yeah, but let's talk about who's really in charge at this point, though. Okay, okay, because at this point. When the World Health Organization skips the Greek letter Z in naming the new COVID variant. Right. So let's talk about who's really in charge here. So the World Health Organization announced Friday it was naming the new COVID-19 variant Omicron, which is really an ominous ominous name, by the way, skipping over a politically sensitive letter in the Greek alphabet. The World Health Organization made the announcement about the, the variant out of Johannesburg, South Africa, passing over over a letter many observers presume would be next new as well as the subsequent letter z which composes part of the chinese leader's xi jinping name right what the fuck yeah i know <laughs> that is pretty funny um but yeah they that's exactly the reason they did it you know god knows you don't want to piss off uh you know the the chinese uh dictator god now, yeah. you'd think it's just that, that maybe because the World Health Organization's in the pocket of uh, of um, uh, of the you know of the Chinese communist dictatorship. No, However, no. JP CEO, JP, JP Morgan, Morgan CEO, Jamie Dimon jokes jokes his bank will last longer than Chinese Communist Party before issuing two groveling apologies. Yeah. So he said in a he said in a in a in a joking manner to some group or whatever. That oh in Hong Kong oh he was in Hong Kong yeah, and he, he made the Hong joke Kong. that the Communist Party is celebrating its hundred years so is J P Morgan I'd make a bet we last longer which here's the thing that's an innocent ass fucking joke as it is anyway he's not really saying anything by it when you come from a place that uh, respects to some degree free speech yes that's a fairly innocent joke yeah you know but uh, not in Communist China. Oh, boy. I regret that I should have not made that comment. I was trying to emphasize the strength and longevity of our company. Then hours later, he says, I truly regret the recent comments because it was never right to joke about or denigrate any group of people, whether it's a country, its leadership, or any part of society or culture. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. You fucking pussy ass bitch. Yeah. Well, they just got their foot in the door for, uh, you know, uh, setting up a whole bunch of... uh, uh, financial uh, interests in China. Uh, they just got uh, you know Chinese government approval on that. So uh, yeah, he's risking all that. Yeah. Um, a- a- again, it's like a time's going to come when China is going to overplay their hand, and uh, it's going to result in the rest of the world you know completely shunning them. However, they have such an economic, they're such an economic powerhouse that that's going to be extremely difficult to do. Um, the other possibility is that the Chinese people are eventually going to have enough. But, again, we've talked ah, they've about... they killed all those people. Nah, not necessarily. You have to understand is that in these type of systems, um, you have everybody basically just going with the flow. Essentially, 
you know, that we were just talking about the third that are totally yeah. on board with it. Well, in those countries, you have a third that are totally on board with it, and then two-thirds who pretend to be totally on board with it because they get black-bagged if they don't. Yeah. But under the surface, that's not what they think. That's not what they believe. They really believe that they are living under, um, you know, a dictatorial rule and they would prefer more freedom and they like the way the West operates and they would prefer to be more like them. But they don't have any power to do it. And they know if they they speak out against it, uh, they're going to end up in a in a camp somewhere, you know, in a prison cell or, or maybe even dead. Um, so that's the reason that you see that level of conformity, though, in I'm, I'm going to say probably two thirds of the cases, it's just enforced conformity. Yeah. They they are they conform because they have no other choice. And at some point that um, that simmering distrust and, and uh, you know, uh, defiance will bubble over. However, like I said before, the Chinese culture is a little bit different and Chinese people, I think, are much more. Um, uh, their society is, is much more accepting of dictatorships than, uh, you know, like uh, Americans, certainly, or even Western Europeans or, or things like that. So I think it's going to take much longer and it's going to have to be much more egregious before they finally, well, you know, maybe stand th- up. Maybe this might maybe this might help. So China bars celebrities from showing off wealth and extravagant pleasure on social media, saying pop stars must comply with core socialist values. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I, I think that's going to wake a lot of people up. And that might not be a catalyst for anything, but it's going to make the Chinese people realize how uh, oppressive their government really is. You yeah. know, and because what you've got is you've got a, a very powerful middle class in China. So, you know, you get people with a little bit of money and a little bit of power and, uh, you know, they, they don't take this shit for, for uh, all that long. You know. I don't know. I don't yeah. know, man. I, I, you know, I really, I would like to think that you're right, yeah. but I just don't. I, I just think you're wrong at this point. Like, I, I think that be. these guys are just, they've killed everybody over there. That Look, they killed off all the opposition that they needed to kill off. Yeah, but that was 50 years ago. Well, you know what I'm okay, saying? Well, those people you, are dead got, now, and they've been dead for 50 years. Yeah, but you've got generations since then that are, you know, uh, coming through this system, and and they've had a little bit of taste of how it can be better, you know. So I, I think the one thing it, that is is uh, you know still propping them up is the fact that they do have economic freedom, that they're not starving, and that they do have some level of prosperity. So they're willing to to take some of the totalitarianism in exchange for the prosperity. So it's it's not like you know. But if you push it too far, it's going to drive them over the edge. I got you. Know? You. So. Well, look, hungry people are a lot easier to control than people who have, uh, you know, money in their pockets and investments and, you know, yeah. you know, can, can buy whatever they want for Christmas, you know, yeah, jabs and checks. Not not that they have Christmas in China, but you know what I'm saying? Oh, they, oh yeah. They don't have Christmas in China, no, do they? they don't. Bunch of communist reds. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? <laughs> Come on, that was. Don't ever sing on this show again. <laughs> Don't ever do that to yourself. Now, so another option, though, may be that we just go and find humans on another planet in the universe. Yeah. Now, um, <laughs> you you subtitled this. We have the best Karens in the universe. Yeah, I think we do. I think we have the best Karens in the universe. <laughs> okay. I'd like to know why. I, I didn't get your angle there. I just think so. Oh, you just think so? I, okay. I didn't have another reason for it. Yeah, I uh, I actually read this article, and basically the, the premise of the article is that there's uh, these particular scientists are saying, uh, a uni- uh, according to one University of Cambridge astrobiologist, uh, it's likely that future humans will travel to other world and find uh, extraterrestrial beings that are very human-like. Yeah, um, because his theory is that, you know, it's that's just the natural progression of evolution on, um, you know, no matter how it comes through, uh, that to get to the point where you're technology uh, technologically advanced, you're going to end up being pretty much human like. I, I don't buy that for a second. You don't buy it. Huh? No, no. I, I think that, you know, when you've got billions upon billions of galaxies, which have billions of billions of stars each and billions of billions of planets, uh, you know, uh, perhaps trillions of planets uh, per galaxy, 
you are going to find an incredible diversity of life. So I'm, I'm sure that somewhere out there in the universe, there's a, a definitely humanoid creatures walking around that are technologically advanced that kind of look like us and, you know, maybe even have uh, some of the, the same uh, similar evolutionary paths, uh, something like that. But I don't think that's the default by any means. I, I think that we're going to find that um, life as we discover it in our own galaxy and across the universe is far more uh, strange and, and diverse and unpredictable than we could have ever, ever imagined. Yeah. Well, this look, this would lead look if we were going to put this in a dystopian future chart, by right. the way. We would have put it in the Star Trek dystopian future chart. Right. Right. Well, because I don't think Star the, Trek well, is no, no, dystopian. A lot, well, no, no, no. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it could be. No. I, that's uh, actually I would There's say no more Star money Tre- anymore. That's kind of dystopian. Yeah, but they they handle it pretty well. I think Star Trek it would be more of a utopian, you know, future. Oh, so are we going to have a Except utopian for those future fucking chart? Romulans, man. Yeah, fuck those Romulans. Fuck the Romulans. Bunch of um, but uh, yeah, I, I, so no, I don't think we should have a utopian future chart. But uh, yeah, you're right though. Uh, maybe uh, uh, <laughs> maybe the diversity in the universe is just uh, a bunch of humans uh, with a different type of forehead uh, brows, you know, <laughs> or piercings or di- and different colors or color skins and different yeah. melatonin, right? Like the green one, yeah. Ooh, could she be. Was hot. Yeah, she was fucking hot. I was uh, yeah, oh yeah, the green one. Yeah, and I always thought blue was a good color. Yeah. yeah, like maybe, Smurfs. Maybe uh, they're like Avatar. Yeah, maybe, you know? maybe that's possible. But I, I think I think it's highly, highly unlikely that any time within the next many centuries we will uh, encounter a, another race of beings that is uh, humanoid. Well, do you unless think, they're just future us? Now, do you think that those future places are already good enough that they have weed lounges? Um. I would I would have to think yes I would think that one constant uh, for all animal life is uh, seeking um, physical gratification uh, yeah. so if, if they have something that makes them feel good they're probably going to be using it yeah yeah so planet 13's cannabis superstore which I gotta tell you if there's one superstore I want to start visiting it is a cannabis superstore by the way on the strip has 30,000 square feet of retail space I got to tell you, man, I got to get a flight into Vegas Um, (laughs) alongside a cafe, a bar and a marijuana processing center all behind a glass wall where consumers can see the various contraptions used for making cannabis products. But there's one thing missing, a place to smoke weed, which, you know, it's nice. Oh, now that's funny. Yeah, I'm I'm reading from the article here Uh, in a city where tourists light up cigarettes on casino floors and stumble out of bars carrying plastic cups filled with booze, public cannabis consumption is conspicuously restricted in Sin City. The masses of tourists buying cannabis products at Planet 13 have almost nowhere to smoke it legally. Not on the sidewalk and not in their hotel rooms. Yeah, which well, you can't, anyway, though. You can't smoke anything in a hotel room anymore, so. Yeah, but you're not supposed to do it on the balcony either, but I'm sure that they are. Yeah. So that will soon change, though. Nevada is the latest state to allow cannabis consumption lounges as the drug gains mainstream acceptance. Uh, as regulars grapple with how to oversee the businesses, dispensaries are already making plans to open their first state-sanctioned lounges by mid-2022. Yeah, well, why don't you just say people can smoke it anywhere they want, unless it's, you know, smoking is prohibited in some indoor place, then you can't do it there. I mean, you can't light up a joint in a restaurant, for example. There was a lounge that I did go to in Vegas yeah. where it was all sunken in seating, and it was all, like, like fire pits in the middle. Right. And stuff. Like actual fire pits? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I, mean, I think it was gas. Probably. I think it was gas. Yeah, though. I don't think it was. I don't. Remember, I don't think it was gas. Yeah, but it was a cool lounge, though. I'd really like to get high there. Yeah, like well, I'm hoping that if that if that goes, maybe that, next year you can. Maybe. Yeah, it's possible. So I'm definitely looking forward to the weed lounge and the weed lounges in Florida, though. I actually would like to be the purveyor of a weed lounge in Florida personally. Um, I would very much like that. Oh, well, that it put together a business plan. I would like to put together. You can't do it currently. No, of course not yet. Well, see, that's the interesting thing is is in Florida, where is it? it it's not illegal to, if you have a medical marijuana card, I mean, you can smoke weed outdoors. I, think, I don't think you're allowed to do that. 
I don't think you're. I think you got to be indoors or something. Like really? you got to be in your own house or something. Well, there's a whole bunch of people doing it yesterday on the <laughs> Memorial Mall at oh, UCF. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, so just because they're doing it doesn't mean that they're not. And there were uh, campus cops everywhere, and they weren't putting a stop yeah. to any of it. You know. Now, Adrian, I didn't think here that that, that the weed lounges were going to necessarily be your thing. So I found something even better for you. What? Why didn't a you think? A psychedelic retreat. Well, hang on a second. Why, why did you not think weed lounges would be my thing? Well, because I think that you'd rather have the psychedelic retreat. Uh, can I have both? <laughs> I guess you can. I mean, both are good. Yeah. So, hold on. Listen to how this article starts, by the way. So this is from, uh, where is this from? D-N-Y-U-Z. I don't know how that is. But. Oh, yeah. One night in 2019, while strangers vomited around her, Lynn Cohen had a vision. Hold on. While strangers vomited around her, she had a vision. Well, you know, that's always a, uh, you know, a a vision inducing experience, you know. Yeah. A lot of people puking. Okay. I guarantee you that was mushrooms then. Well, after being (laughs) tipped off by a friend, Miss Cohen, 62, traveled from her home in Milwaukee to Chicago to drink uh, ayahuasca. Is that what it is? Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah. A-Y-A-H-U-A-S-C-A. Hmm. Got to look that up. Ayahuasca. I think it's ayahuasca. I think I've heard it before. Okay. A sludgy psychoactive brew from the Amazon that ignites uh, hallucinations while also inducing nausea. She arrived carrying her own pillow and blanket at a private house where she was greeted by a shaman. In the living room, she curled up on a sleeping mat, and over the course of that one very intense night, went on a journey that mostly involved lying still. I was shown why I'm not happy, and it became clear why I was carrying around the pain of my ancestors, said Miss Cohen, a deep tissue manual therapist who has struggled with depression for 20 years. After night, after that night, she said she found clarity, has since sought out two other psychedelic retreats, traveling to Costa Rica and California for guided extended experiences with hallucinogens. Yeah. This sounds like a good time. Well, I, I and speaking in all seriousness, um, I, I do firmly believe that, uh, and I've had no experience with this particular, uh, this one, that I can't even pronounce, Ayahuasca. Um, but, uh, I, I can say that I do believe that, um, you know, the, the indigenous peoples around the world, um, got it right, that this is a way to, for lack of a better term, get in touch with your spiritual self. I, I think it really, that, that psychedelics, uh, specifically, uh, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, LSD, I would say more so psilocybin mushrooms, um, will really uh they do help they're a benefit if you're a a person who suffers from anxiety or depression um i think that uh this is a a great treatment for that i really think that it it does permanently slightly alter your personality to make you better equipped to deal with some of those things that can trigger anxiety and depression and one of the reasons I believe that is, is because you get to such a state of uh, peace and euphoria and, um, you know, the, the concept of, uh, again, I, I sound like a hippie, but the, the oneness with everything around you, that after that experience, you can much more easily tap into that feeling again. You can recall that. So when you're in situations that would normally cause stress or depression or anxiety, you can go back to that feeling, uh, you know, and and recall that and and kind of. And I think it happens on a subconscious level, but I, I think that's a very real thing. So I am very glad to see that that uh, the scientific community, the medical community, is starting to treat this as a a actual treatment for those type of. Uh, you know, uh, psychological conditions, you know, and and I I think it's a wonderful thing. I was just talking to uh, some friends of mine very recently who had never done it and and were asking someone to get them some mushrooms so that they could try it out. And, you know, they're both uh, pretty anxious people um, and, uh, you know, suffer from depression on and off, that sort of thing. And and I I told them, I I think it's going to be a great experience for you. But, you know, get somewhere, take a weekend, uh, you know, Rent a Winnebago, go out in the woods, you know, something like that. It, it, put yourself in a situation where it's already peaceful. 
um, and and just do it. And I, I really think it'll it'll benefit you dramatically. So, would you do it with a shaman? Do you need a, oh, hell you need yeah. a guide? I, it, it actually would help. You know, if you have someone to kind of guide you through the experience, that's always a, a help as well. You know, so uh, yeah, I, I do think as far as a um, you know. A, a medicinal experience I, I think it really is a, a beneficial thing and again I, I actually it's funny because I I wouldn't want to run and do mushrooms again or do acid again yeah you know, I've done that several times in my lifetime but it's not like something I want to run out and do but it's it's an experience that I'm uh, experiences that I'm, I'm glad I've had you yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird thing. It's not like, hey, man. Yeah, let's, you don't want to go do it again, but you're glad you went through it. Let, let's go trip. And it's like, eh, yeah, yeah, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, well, maybe I should. Yeah, who knows? You never so, know. Yeah, right. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think this is, uh, all of this is a good thing in, in the grand scheme of things. But uh, chances are you're going to puke. So <laughs> the, the vomiting, people vomiting around you is a, a very. That's a thing. That's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> It, it usually doesn't start until you puke. <laughs> I know I can. I never could convince Kelly and Danielle to do this. So yeah, I, I and I do recommend it. I think it would be hugely beneficial for you, make you much less of an asshole, make me yeah. much less of an asshole. Yeah, you're kind of an asshole. I'm kind of an you're, asshole. You're t- yeah, kind of yeah. teapot, meat kettle. Oh, I'm not. No, by no means is my accusation of you being an asshole does in no way shape or form detract from the fact that i am an intolerable asshole yeah so i get that okay uh but i'm just saying you got a little asshole uh, going on too uh, so, yeah. not as much as you though yeah. i mean i really look like an amateur compared to your professional you know status yeah that's true well yeah that's well maybe uh doing a little uh you know uh, a mind uh, reconfiguration there will, will get you to full asshole status well, I, you know. I w- maybe I don't want to go to full asshole status. Maybe I want to not be an asshole. Oh, oh. Well, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it could make you uh, a, a happier person. I got to tell you, though, I am seriously considering this, though. Yeah, I, I think you should. I think everyone should. In the right, in the right environment. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, here's what not to do. Okay. Uh, if you're inexperienced with this sort of thing, don't drop acid and go to a rave. <laughs> because it, it may be a really good time or it may be a, a really bad time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one thing that yeah. I've always been scared of, though, is having a bet. Like, I, I, I like the shaman thing. Yeah, I, I, I highly recommend, especially for anyone doing psychedelics for the first time. And I think that more and more people are as this becomes more, uh, you know, mainstream and, and accepted for its its medicinal purposes. Do it in a controlled, peaceful environment. Yeah, uh, that's that's and go into it, you know, with a uh, yeah, the right mindset, you yeah. know. Because if you go into it with a head full of, uh, you know, fear and anxiety, it could actually uh, result in in not feeling so good, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Taking you to kind of a bad place. Yeah, I do want to do it, though. I'm and this you. is Adrian and Alex's tips on psychedelic drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to do it, though. This going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Recommend it. Recommend it. Yeah. All right, where are we going next? How much time we got left? Uh, we're at uh, 43. Oh, we got a lot of time left yeah. then. Okay, so where do you want to go next then? I, okay, hold on. I, don't I got go one. Anywhere, I got one. I got one. I got we can one. Talk about squirrels for three well, hours. No, no, not squirrels. <laughs> we're going to talk about parrots. Oh, okay. All right. So five parrots were separated at the British Zoo after encouraging each other to curse profusely at the guests. <laughs> a British wildlife sanctuary has been forced to separate five parrots who wouldn't stop swearing at visitors. People say the birds encouraged each other to keep cursing and had to be moved from the main outdoor air uh, aviary or whatever you call that one. Aviary, yeah. Yeah. Billy, Eric, Tyson, Jade, and Elsie were removed from view this week, the Associated Press reports. They recently joined the Lincolnshire Wildlife Center colony of 200 African gray parrots in August were put in quarantine together and quickly overwhelmed the staff with their naughty language. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of people may actually believe that they're just parroting, quote unquote, um, what they've heard from visitors say. And, you know, they're just repeating things and have no understanding of the concept behind those those sounds. Yeah. But I, I honestly believe that's not the case. Um, I believe that it, parrots are exceptionally intelligent. And they, they actually under this, understand the concept. I think those five parrots knew that they were saying things that were offensive to the humans, and they were fucking with them for all intents and purposes. I mean, are you familiar with the uh, the parrot Alex? 
No. And I'm not asking you, Alex. There's a parrot. There was a parrot named Alex. I think it died not too long ago. No. Um, but it actually had a 150-word vocabulary and could communicate um, very complex uh, uh, concepts. Uh, so a parrots are, and of course, there's been uh, several studies with crows about crows being able to solve very complex problems using tools and things like that. So I think these birds are a lot more intelligent than we uh, uh, intuitively give them credit for. So <laughs> I think those parrots knew exactly what they were doing. And when they were, uh, you know, cursing at those people, they were really cursing at those people. <laughs> You know, you think they really were, huh? Oh, I do. I actually do. Hanging each other on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. Hey, man, call him an asshole. Yeah. Okay. You're an asshole. Right. Asshole. Right. Asshole. Fuck you. Right. (laughs) Hold on here. Alex, the pet, by the way, or Alex, the uh, the parrot is totally a thing. There's actually a website called AlexFoundation.org. Did you not believe me? I did not. I mean, I did. I really this, thought you were full of shit. Listen, I thought it was going to be a bit week, at the end. No, I really thought it was going to be a bit at the end, like you, like you were building up for something. So I had to look it up just to make sure that you weren't. Every lying. fucking week, I bring up something out of the blue, just because we ha- happen to end up talking about it. And every week, you don't believe me. You look it up, and it's true. What was the thing last week? We just went through I don't this. Like, it was something like remember. that. Hang on a second. We, we but actually, I don't believe you. I, I still, I didn't believe you, but right. But now I see it though. Yeah. Oh, well, now that this is I, I'm looking at Einstein, the parent too, a uh, parrot who is also apparently uh, apparently a, a, a very intelligent parrot. But, yeah, it's 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 a real thing. OK. Yeah. All right, so right. uh, so good for those birds. Um, <laughs> like fuck you put us in a cage, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Yeah. So uh, essentially, they're just kind of like, uh, you know, what prisoners would say to the guards when the guards are walking by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, where are we going now? All right. So, the place that we can go next is you put this up here in about, about the FBI and a search for New Jersey former land. Uh, FBI searched New Jersey former landfill for body of Jimmy Hoffa, oh, long missing yeah. teachers union chief. Yeah. Uh, they, they think they uh, might have finally found uh, Jimmy Hoffa. How, though? Um, it was a deathbed confection, uh, confession. Um, and I think it was the nephew of the owner of this landfill. Um, he the 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 owner of the landfill told his nephew that Jimmy Hoffa was buried there, and uh, they uh, initially searched this area. The FBI, when Jimmy Hoffa went, searched this area, but they were searching the wrong part of the landfill. And apparently, where he was buried was. Uh, like in a different part of the landfill under like a whole bunch of barrels of chemicals. So when they dug down, they got to the chemicals and they're like, oh, this is just a bunch of chemicals. But he was actually under them. Uh-huh. And I don't know if they have actually got the DNA analysis back from the remains they found. Oh, that was you. Um, but uh, yeah, that was on the other computer. It didn't didn't actually. Nobody else heard that but us. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it looks like they may have found Jimmy Hoffa. And let's see if we have an update on that story. Is there an update? Get it from the update desk. Yeah. <laughs> Just off the wire. Um, let's see here. Yeah, it doesn't say whether they've actually um, found uh, Hoffa's remains or not, but this seems like a very credible uh, report. But there's been a few deathbed confessions before where they looked, you know, like there was, was one time they looked under a driveway at a house in New Jersey, and it, it wasn't there, but... Uh, yeah, it's uh, this seems uh, fairly credible, and the FBI is following up. It so they may have found uh, Jimmy Hoffa's body, but I hope, actually hope that it's not. I hope that Jimmy Hoffa's body is never found. Why? It's just a great mystery. You know, I like those unsolved mysteries out there forever. You know what I'm saying? It, it kind of lends to uh, uh, the mystique of our shared culture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Like those old mafia stories, and you you, you don't necessarily feel bad about it because Hoffa was you know just another dirtbag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, milking a bunch of hardworking people and and stealing their money and you know yeah in with the mob and yeah you get you know hey man yeah you live by the sword you die by the sword type of thing exactly you know what I'm saying so uh, I I hope it's not actually him but uh, we'll probably know here before too long I I think they'll. Uh, if it is him, they'll, they'll probably be making an announcement before too long. 
Well, I mean, here's the thing. Let's just hope there wasn't union work being done on the Looney Tunes technology that we're now trying to embrace when it comes to space travel. Oh, now, why do you call this Looney Tunes technology? Okay, this is fucking Looney Tunes fucking technology. You want to know why? Because I know that I saw an episode of Roadrunner where Wile E. Coyote did something like this to try to get the Roadrunner. Well, the physics are very sound. You know, and it worked. They actually test launched it. I'm just saying, though, right. it's Looney Tunes. It's what, fucking, what we're Wiley talking Coyote about. Coyote was the first person to get on this thing. What we're talking about is uh, there's a new startup. Uh, what's the name of the company? I, I can't find it here. Um, but they are launching rockets into space by essentially using a centrifuge and uh, taking this... Uh, this it, it's a, it is a rocket, but it's only got like the the third stage booster engine. So they take this rocket and they connect it to this spinning centrifuge. And picture the ones we've all seen them, where uh, you know the pilots are doing the g-force testing. Yeah. Okay. Picture one of those, but instead of being you know parallel to the ground, place it vertically. Uh-huh. Okay. So you start spinning this rocket really really fast, and when it achieves maximum velocity. You release it, and it shoots straight up through a tube in the centrifuge and is launched out of the atmosphere. And it, essentially, it replaces the first stage of a rocket. It's probably the second stage as well. And they've actually tested this. They've done suborbital tests. Uh, now they're, uh, they're working on doing an orbital test. But this could very well be a way to get satellites into space. Well, yeah, because you can't put people no. on this fucking thing. No, that would like, definitely. This is not for people. That would definitely kill a human <laughs> because there it was it was just some amazing amount of force. It was like I, I forget what it was uh, speeds of 5000 miles an hour. But I want to see the G forces. It was just incredible G forces. And I don't see that in the article. But, uh, yeah, it's uh you could ne- there's no way a human could survive 10,000 G's 10,000 G's yeah I'm actually shocked that a satellite can survive that I mean that's a that's an incredible amount of force but apparently they can you know the, the satellites can handle that okay but yeah you know uh, a human is probably gonna you know not no that's not gonna work for they're gonna pass time. out at like eight G's yeah. um you know even the best test pilots I think are you know good to maybe eight nine G's uh, but you get 10,000 G's, man. It's just like, yeah, you're dead. You're dead. Your heart can't beat. Your lungs won't work. Yeah, you're just, you're dead. So. I, I, look, I just think this one is, like I said, like Looney Tunes. Yeah, but it's it's not. I mean, the, the physics are totally sound. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's actually, it, you're using 10 times less rocket fuel. Yeah, because you only have to use the the orbital rockets. Okay, to so get it into this position. is what I'm thinking. We're gonna. Ha- this is what I'm thinking. Okay, I have a conspiracy theory right now. Okay, so I want you to hear me out here. All right, you heard about the uh, satellite that we're running into the asteroid, right? Yes. yes. Okay. So I think what is instead of Armageddon is Bruce Willis going to the um, going to the the asteroid. What we're gonna do now is. We're gonna line, We're gonna get a whole. We're gonna make a whole bunch of these, right? And just shoot stuff at things coming our way. Yeah, I, I mean it makes sense. That's, you know? that's what's going on. And actually, I'm I'm surprised that they went this direction with it because obviously this works because they've tested it now and it works. But you know the the rail gun, the electromagnetic acceleration, um, where essentially they're they're pulsing an electromagnetic field to shoot a projectile out of a tube. Um, that seemed to be able to achieve similar velocities, or maybe even more. So I, I, I wonder why they went this route instead of uh, going the railgun route. But, uh, you know, I think either would work. But if you want to send a projectile in space, you don't necessarily have to use a whole bunch of rocket fuel anymore. Oh, I figured out the name of the company that's putting them together, by the way. <laughs> Acme. Acme. <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> what is the name of the company, though? I don't. Acme is yeah. what we're going with. I, I can't uh, I can't find that anyway. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Spin launch. Is that really? They weren't very creative, were they? I guess they? so. <laughs> they probably should have gone with Acme. Would have sounded better. <laughs> I would think so, yeah. So I wonder if you can invest in them. I might uh, throw a few bucks there. You can throw a couple ducats there? Yeah, yeah. Now that the uh, stock market is crashing. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, it so, is what it is, though. Good, good time to uh, buy the dip. A little dollar cost averaging. Actually, uh, this may be the rundown. This may be the beginning of the, the downturn, but I don't think this is it quite yet. You don't think so? No, right? no. I think it's probably going to correct, uh, you know, maybe a five, 
5%, but I don't think this is the big 30% correction yet. I got you. It's coming, though. It's coming. Just not oh, yet. Oh, no, it's going to be here. Yeah. So, And uh, when it does come, uh, at least uh, poor families will have some meat to eat. That's true. You know, uh, because uh, this is actually a great organization. Uh, hunters are donating their, uh, you know, their the meat uh, from the deers that they kill um, in uh, to uh, all kinds of different homeless shelters and, and to, to poor families and things like that. Great concept, actually. Um, and I, actually, I wrote about this in the Cassandra Trigger. This, uh, you know, once the economy collapsed in there, uh, that's what a lot of people were doing, in, including the protagonists of the story. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, in New Jersey. They have a whole lot more deer than they know what to do with, and hunters are now set up this organization. It's actually been around for a while. Hunters helping the hungry. And so they they take the when they shoot a deer or a, you know boar or whatever they they shoot they take it and they have all these uh, butcher shops around the state that will butcher the animals and freeze them and then they distribute them to you know families in need and, and shelters meat. and things yeah great quality meat and it's a uh, it's they've actually served a total of uh, they've donated fourteen thousand seven hundred and thirty one deer which equates to two point two million quarter pound servings of fresh lean protein to new jersey residents nice so uh, that's a uh, that's a pretty awesome thing you know i i c- commend these guys for uh for uh yeah doing that you know a non-governmental fix this is a, what you always talk about you know how to solve these types of problems yeah. it's just you know people uh, uh voluntary association and these guys are you know they're hunters they want to go out and hunt anyway mm-hmm. and now and you know i always kind of had a, a problem with sport hunting uh, but I've got absolutely no problem with hunting for food. You know, so these guys are actually, if they don't want the meat themselves, they're donating it. And it's actually, you know, helping people, feeding people, uh, everything, you know, uh, it, it's a, a nice circle of life. Simba, when we die, our bodies become the grass. <laughs> and the antelope eat the grass. This is the circle of life. Uh, so it's one of those type of things for me, which I, I really like. No, no, I yeah. really do like stories like this. It's it's one of those things of, look, the longer that we've got, we're getting got involved in politics. The more we realize that that definitely wasn't the solution. Oh right! And so it's nice to bring up the things that are the solution, though. right? Like this is how you felt feed people. Again, it's not going to be everywhere, right? Not everywhere has a bunch of deers everywhere. Yeah, but everywhere's got something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, again, if the hunters just you know don't, and I think a lot of hunters do this, but probably it's on a different, it's not on an organized scale like this. And this is all yeah, they probably do it like with just some of their fa- family and friends right. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I got a bunch of deer in my freezer. You want some? So take some venison. I, mm-hmm. I got some steaks or some. Yeah, stew they meat. take it to a butcher. Have right. the butcher cut it up. Exactly, or sometimes do it themselves. But yeah, this is an example of of how much you know. Greg Road does this with a, with a, with a with a cow. Really? Yeah, he'll take he'll have cows on his ranch. Right. He'll take one of the cows, takes it to the butcher, kills it, then puts all of the meat in the freezer. Well, yeah, that's exactly what you do. You well, yeah, but you don't go kill a cow, dude. I used to. I, I, I'm not kidding. I, my first job was in a butcher shop, and then I used to help out in a slaughterhouse. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so I, 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 can, I can butcher a cow. But I want to give an example of, of one thing that government does not help. What's that? And that is, we all know, it's open enrollment for health insurance right now. So I thought I would take the time, and because I'm on my government cheese kick, I'm trying to get as much government cheese as possible, I went to healthcare.gov uh-huh. to see what uh, it, Obamacare I could qualify for. Yeah. And it turns out that I, uh, uh, Dawn and I, my wife and I, uh, qualify for a, uh, a plan, uh-huh. and it's only $872 a month, and... It only has an $8,500 per year deductible, and after the deductible is met, it actually covers 80% of the costs of health care. <laughs> and that's government solution for you right there. There you go. And you want to know the irony? Is that 10 years ago, the last time I looked into health insurance, it was literally the exact same private sector plan. It would have been about 800 bucks a month with an $8,500 deductible and an 80-20 plan after that. Jesus so Christ. there's an example of government just <laughs> not helping at all. No. So, but once again, even if it, even if there was like a, a, a good price on it, I probably wouldn't do it because I've learned that it's much better to just pay cash for things. And if you can't, if you have an extreme medical thing and you can't afford it, you just say, hey, let me, let me get on a payment plan. And they're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can afford to pay you, you know... Uh, 
$872 a month. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's it just astounding how uh, how badly the government fucks anything up. But that is our hour. Uh, what? Do you have any? Uh, shut the, You know, that's really getting old. Every time. You know exactly <laughs> where we are in the show. And every time you act like it's this big shock to you, you know. Uh, any any parting thoughts for our uh, listeners? Hope to see you on the second hour because we got a bunch to talk about, including World War Three and what happened in Waskungia uh, with the <laughs> Black Hebrews. All right, we'll see you on the other side.